Hey guys, welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Channel Dillon here, coming to y'all live from Louisville, Kentucky. As always, big show on tap today. Uh, a lot went down over the weekend in the NLL. And we have Hampton head coach Rashad DeVoy coming on the show in about 10 to 15 minutes time. Before we get to our interview with Coach DeVoy, some news and notes and a little weekend, weekend recap from the NLL action this past weekend. So the biggest pieces of news and notes uh, that we had come out this weekend was on Friday, um, Dane Doby, Calgary Roughnecks forward, reigning NLL MVP, has been suspended for six games following his actions um, in their game against Vancouver, I guess, two weekends ago now, uh, two Saturdays ago. He was received a gross misconduct penalty after the game. Um, it's really a, a sticky situation in that the league isn't really announcing anything from it. They just said he was suspended, um, and he was given a gross misconduct. Um, he was assessed a roughing penalty during the game, um, but it doesn't look like that's been upgraded. That still stands. Um, he is a repeat offender with the gross misconduct penalty, so that is why he's getting a six-game suspension. Um, gross misconduct is a five, is a one-game suspension. You receive an additional five games if you are a <clears throat> excuse me if you are a repeat offender. Uh, additionally, Vancouver's Chris O'Doherty he had uh, that big hit um, late in the game um, against a Calgary player. Uh, his game misconduct penalty has been. Um, lessened by the league and he has been given a game misconduct penalty instead of a match penalty. Um, so that one has changed and Dane Doby has been given a six-game suspension <clears throat> for his actions in two Saturdays ago uh, in the game two weekends ago. Um... I've been asked if I think the PLPA will appeal this. Um, <clears throat> like we've seen in the past with suspensions in the NOL. You know, because there's not really any contextual evidence that you can get from the video of the fight, of the scrum, of the melee, whatever you want to call it, that happened in front of the goal. <clears throat> I don't know if there's the ability to appeal this because there's, they're not really saying much of what happened. The NLL re- released a statement basically just saying, uh, no comment, this is a personal matter, and it's been handed uh, handled. So that is that Dane Doby out for six games. Uh, very, very unfortunate. Um, you know, with his six-game suspension, he will come back back, I believe, in February, uh, February 22nd, I believe, 
some somewhere around that time frame is when he will be back with Calgary. So he misses what one third of the season um, due to this suspension. Uh, you know, two weeks in, we already have uh, this. Actually, came out on Friday night, so uh, one weekend already had a little controversy, I guess you could call it, um, in the NLL. Remember last year had a uh, controversy as well surrounding Calum Crawford, and he got that one uh, reduced. I believe he only served a one-game suspension in all after the PLPA's appeal and everything like that. Uh, some notes here from the NCAA game, <clears throat> the college game. Multiple uh, schedules have been released over the past weekend. The past week, uh, we've had Syracuse, Bellarmine, Robert Morris, Stony Brook, and St. John's are the latest teams to release their schedules. Uh, schedule previews are up on lacrossebucket.com. I will link each of those down in the show notes for y'all down there. Getting to our NLL weekend recap. Three games again this weekend. Um, believe this coming weekend is we have about four or five games this coming weekend. But again, three games this past weekend. Uh, the big one kind of premier game, I guess you could say, was... Uh, in terms of not on-the-field play, but in terms of just everything surrounding it, was Halifax and New York, as it was the Riptide's first franchise game, and it was Halifax's, well, the Halifax Thunderbirds' first game in Halifax. If you remember, they moved from Rochester to Halifax. Rochester, the new Rochester Nighthawks, are an expansion franchise. <clears throat> And that one did not go as planned for the Riptide. Uh, the Thunderbirds came out and smacked them in the mouth in their home opener um, in Halifax. And Thunderbirds get the 12-4 to victory in this one. This one never really was a contest. Um, from the start, Jake Withers, out of the gate, 10 seconds in, uh, gets the first goal in Halifax history. Now, uh, I want to talk about this because Halifax, they've said the old Rochester Nighthawks records and everything went with Halifax. That's that's what I've been told. But Rochester last weekend put a thing out on Twitter saying you know, whoever scored First goal in franchise history, that'd be correct. You had people asking, oh, wait, did did they not leave the records with y'all, or did they take them to Halifax? I believe they've been taken to Halifax. So in saying Jake Withers is the first, scored the first goal in Halifax history, that's not saying in franchise history. That's just in the history of the team being in Halifax. So I do want to clear that up because I know there's been a lot of uh, discussion on social media about that over the weekend. Um, the Thunderbirds went on an eight-goal run 
that ended with a Kyle Jackson goal uh, 35 seconds into the second quarter. And then Tyson Gibson, number one overall pick, Tyson Gibson, gets the first goal in New York Riptide history um, to get them the first goal in franchise history and make it an 8-1 to one game early in the uh, second quarter. From there on, you know, it really was a no game. And um, New York just seemed very, um, not unorganized, but very, they were not together. Um, and Halifax was clicking on all cylinders. They, they, I mean, they were a unified unit. They are playing as a team. Um, they're doing all the things that you want to do as a team. And, and New York just could not catch up to that. They could not get that going in their favor. Halifax gets the 12 to 4 win. Um, and I, I do want to mention New York, they, you know, while they did not have a very good game, it was a. You did have players step up. Dan Lomas, I thought, played really good in this one. He had two goals. Um, Tyson Gibson, he had one goal, one assist. Alex Bouquet did not play very well in goal, but and the defense didn't play very well at all. But I did think Andrew Suter played uh, very well, getting to cause turnovers in 15. Goose Balls named him to my NLL Team of the Week, which you can also find on lacrossebucket.com. I will link that in the show notes as well. Halifax was led <clears throat> by a multitude of players. Uh, Stephen Keogh had two goals. Austin Shanks had two goals, one assist. And Eric Fennell also had three points, two goals, one assist. Uh, Kyle Jackson had three points, one goal, two assists. So, uh, And then you had Mike Berg, Ryan Nash, a couple other guys had one goal. Uh, Ryan Nash had three points as well, one goal, two assists. So you had a lot of guys contributing there. Uh, Warren Hill made 40 saves off of 34 shots on goal. You know, he stood in front of there like a brick wall, um, and and really that defense helped them out a lot um, in front of him. And again, it was just a great all-around team effort from Halifax in the win. Moving things along here to the second game of the weekend, New England 12, Toronto 8. This is a, this isn't, I don't want to say this is a surprise, but I was kind of expecting Toronto to not run away with this one, but to get the win. And I know many people did pick Toronto in this one, uh, but New England, they went on a really, really good stretch of offense there late in the third through early in the fourth. Uh, Nick Tchaikovsky, uh gets the outlet pass from Doug Jamison and puts it in the empty net uh, for the basically the game winner as they win twelve to eight. <clears throat> this was a back and forth game, and if you just look at the game sheet from this, it was pretty. You know, just like many lacrosse games are, it was a game of runs, and Toronto would go on a couple would go on a run. New England, Toronto, New England, and that's how it looks on here and. You know, I will say this, Toronto, they just could not, 
uh, stop New England when they got hot. Anytime New England, New England got hot, Toronto's defense, not that they uh, shut down because they were able to come back at times and, and they did have some really good plays, but they kind of balled up and, you, you know, they didn't know like a total. They went inside the shell. They didn't, uh, they weren't as aggressive or as physical as I would have liked them to see. Um, also, New England, I thought, did a fantastic job. Of, I think both teams kind of did a good job of pushing the opposing offense and making them shoot those outside shots early on. But the one thing that New England did better, and I can't remember who they had on him, um, but they, they messed with Tom Schreiber. And um, Tom Schreiber was held to zero goals. He did have three assists, uh, but they held Tom Schreiber to zero goals in this game. New England, I thought they looked much improved, especially on the defensive end from last season. Uh, this is a team that, you know, I think this Toronto and New England are both teams kind of, for me at least, outside on the cusp of their division. And, you know, they could, if, if they, if they, you know, strike, if they strike when they can't, uh, at a crucial point in the season, they get hot at a crucial point in the season. They can make a pretty good run in the playoffs. Um, again, back and forth game. New England gets the 12 8 victory. Uh, for New England, you know, Calum Crawford was absolutely outstanding in this one. He was all over the place um, on the offensive end and, and really played like the Calum Crawford that we've learned um, and, and are used to seeing. <clears throat> He ended with seven points, three goals, four assists in this in this one, and um, really just an, an an amazing performance from Calum Crawford. Uh, Joe Vesteris also had two goals, three assists, for five points, and uh, so really those two guys stood out. You had Jordan Dostin, who uh, was just traded a few weeks ago, I believe, from New York to New England. Um, it was picked up in the expansion draft by the Riptide from Buffalo. He had two goals in this one. Uh, Andrew Q, who was, I believe, the third overall draft pick, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was projected by many to go number one overall, uh, but drops a little bit. He had one goal, his first NLL goal. He also had three assists as well. Um, Toronto, you know, I mentioned they they really shut off um, Tom Schreiber, but Johnny Powers, three goals, two, uh, three points, two goals, one assist. And dangerous Dan Dawson, he is back. And, you know, a lot of people saying last year he had that breakout year after maybe a down year in 2018, 2017. And a lot of people said, you know, is he going to really come into the, to this new Toronto team? And, and it's it's kind of like a homecoming for him and uh, a veteran, veteran goal scorer, um, veteran player, veteran leader. He puts up two goals in the loss, and I thought he played absolutely fantastic. I believe he had the first goal of the game for Toronto. Yep, he had the first goal of the game for Toronto. Uh, got things started off hot, thirty nine seconds into the game, 
And Dan Dawson looked fantastic. Um, both goalies in this one, I thought, could have played better. And um, I, I definitely thought Doug Jamison looked fantastic. He had 46 saves off of 54 shots on goal for New England. Uh, Nick Lowe's, I thought this was one of his worst performances I've ever seen uh, from Nick Lowe's. 39 saves off of 51 shots on goal. Um, I, I I mean, you know, and I don't know if it was the defense. I did. I wasn't able to watch the entire game, but I did uh, go back and watch uh, snippets of it. I didn't watch the entire game in its you know as a whole. I watched second half, then went back later on and watched that first half. But you know, Nick Rose just did not. He, he started off pretty good. Um. And I think it was a little bit like the Toronto defense. They just kind of got worn down when New England would get hot. And Nick Rose just did not look like the Nick Rose we're used to seeing at times during this game. Last one here, San Diego and Buffalo. This was the best game of the weekend by far. Buffalo 13, San Diego 10. Buffalo goes on a three-goal run in the final Five minutes of the game, uh, give or take. Josh Bone with a diving goal makes it number three on Sports Center top ten. Dane Smith gets two in a row to secure the win. Both teams looked very good in this one, and like San Diego, they took the loss and, and they let Buffalo get those three, e- three not easy ones, but they let them get those three ones down, uh, down the stretch. And, man, this was, you know, last game was back and forth. This game was literally back and forth. I don't, I mean, there's not, if you look on the score sheet, no team went on a bigger run than, the biggest run in the game was Buffalo's three goals at the end. Other than that, it was Buffalo-San Diego, Buffalo two goals, San Diego one goal. And it, it flips up like that from throughout the game. These teams are pretty evenly matched. Um from what I could tell, and obviously it's week one, so, uh, but still, these teams were very, very good. Um, Buffalo obviously gets the home win in this one, and, um, you know, I thought I thought Buffalo looked very good. You could see uh, a big thing with Buffalo was how are they going to adjust with you no know, Thomas Hogarth. Uh, he's out for the season. Jordan Dostin just mentioned him. With New England, he's no longer in Buffalo. Um, and this is gonna. This is a a team. The right side was a little bit uh, thin coming into the season with with injuries and things of that nature. And they came out and they played. They played good. Uh, they played really, really good. Uh, you had Chris Cloutier and Corey Small each have five points, three goals to assist. Dane Smith was the man in this one, as he usually is. Six points, three goals, dished out three assists as well. I thought Dane Smith really put this team on his back, especially late in that game, um, and carried this team to victory. Uh, Josh Byrne also played very well, had three assists and one goal. Uh, Matt Vince, and you know, I, I thought both goaltenders, and really in the in the first quarter, when it was was it two one Buffalo coming into the second. Both goaltenders played very well. 
Uh, for Buffalo, you had Matt Vince with uh, 39 saves and 59 shots on goal. And with Frank Siliano for San Diego, he had 41 saves off of 54 shots on goal. Um, and San Diego, you know, a, a big question for both these teams was how would they handle these injuries that they have um, and, and, and missing pieces. And they both, I think, proved proved people that, yeah, we're still a complete team, even without some of these guys that we either lost or don't have right now in the terms of San Diego with Austin Stotts meeting out with that torn ACL. Wes Berg for San Diego, you know, they got him via trade over the summer. He stepped in and played outstanding. Two goals, four assists. Um, he was also a member of my NLL Team of the Week. Uh, link in description, lacrossebucket.com. Zach Greer, uh, who comes out of retirement, he has he plays amazing um, in this one as well as Kyle Buchanan. Um, I thought, you no, know, San Diego, I thought was, I thought for a time San Diego looked like the better team in this one, to be honest with you. Um, and, like, besides the ending of the game when Buffalo went on that run, I really thought it was very evenly matched um, in terms of the level of play with both of these teams. And this uh, this was a game, again, very, very evenly matched Absolutely amazing game. Buffalo gets the 13-10 to victory. That will do it for the weekend recap portion of the show. Now we move to my interview with Hampton men's lacrosse coach, Rashad DeVoy. Uh, comes on a podcast for the first time. You know, what was your... Uh... Now, how did you get into, uh, what was your introduction to uh, lacrosse? Um, I'm from uh, upstate New York, Fairport, mm-hmm. New York, so um, lacrosse has always been around. Um, played basketball um, and messed around with the guys um, who played lacrosse and was really gotten to the game by uh, Rochester and Fairport great Tim Sudan, who was with the uh, Rochester Nighthawks at the time, and I just stayed with it after that, just fell in love. And then uh, looking back to when uh, you got hired at Hampton, uh, you know what was the attractiveness uh, to take that job? A uh, bunch of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Make history, um, knowing uh, Hampton's great education, knowing the area, knowing how beautiful the campus um, is. So all that together put into my my mind that we could build something really special here so uh, it was kind of a, a a bunch of factors that that made me think that uh, Hampton was the right place and then uh, you know you've been there through the fall now so what are some things uh, that maybe you've learned uh, through your first couple months on the job there that or that you've implemented so far um, you know we, we, we are just putting in uh, a culture of work and a culture of expectation. We want to do the work and we want to do the work every day consistently. It's kind of funny. I know it, it sounds like coach talk, but mm-hmm. we, we just want to come in every day and get better and, and keep climbing the ladder and keep working um, and be consistent. Um, some days we'll have great days and then we'll come back the next day and it's like, uh, 
you know, that's not the team that we saw yesterday. We know what you can can do. So we're, we're expecting you to be um, at this level now that we know you can do it. And, and we help them to get to that consistency and learn how to put the effort um, in every day and, and put the time in every day it takes to be a competitive Division One program. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, obviously being the only HBCU in Division One, uh, you all uh, do have some uh, differences with your school that are different from other schools. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, kind of how do you uh, approach uh, all of that? Um, I don't think we have too many differences than other mm-hmm. schools. I think it's the same. We're trying to recruit the best players regardless of uh, uh, of color, race, anything. If you're a good lacrosse player, we want you here in Hampton mm-hmm. if you fit in with what we're doing. Um, you know, we're, we're a very diverse team, um, uh, African-Americans, uh, whites, uh, uh, Filipino, um, Hispanic, um, we uh, got a 21 uh, Canadian committed, so, um, or, or I, I should say verbally committed, um, so there's there's some some it doesn't matter um, yeah if you're a good lacrosse player we want you here and if you fit in with what we're doing as a team then we want you to be here um and you know kind of liking the way the niche does work with us i, I kind of hearken it to um uh, uh liken it to rpi where they're in a big engineering school and they know that you want to be an engineer that's where you go so for us, we kind of have a, a niche where I don't have to go to all the, the most um, crazy recruiting schedule during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of have that niche of where we know where our guys will be or, or the people that come to our camp. So it, it's actually uh, helped us out a lot. And then, uh, you know, your 2020 schedule uh, features most Division uh, Division One opponents in uh, the program history. Um you know, how much of a premium are you putting on maybe uh, trying to get that first Division One win? And kind of what are you all looking for in terms of uh, progress? Um, we're not thinking about getting the first win at all. Mm-hmm. We're, we really are thinking about getting better. Um, we believe that if we play to our effort level, uh, the wind's going to come. Mm-hmm. And once we, we, we don't play to the scoreboard, you'll play to our effort level. So, you know, if we play a team um, and, and they beat us, but we played our best effort, we're mm-hmm. not going to be upset about that. Mm-hmm. If we play a team and they beat us and we didn't play our best effort, yeah, we're going to be upset about mm-hmm. that. Um, right now, it's really about just building that culture of getting better, um, learning how to play a full division one schedule, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, coming out of the gate with uh, NJIT, I believe it's NJIT Furman Bellerman or Bellerman Furman, I, I forget how it goes, but you know, three straight games that they've never had before, that's good, right? Mm-hmm, and then we yeah. go down to um, again, I don't have the schedule in front of me, yeah. but then there's a, um, you know, Utah on the on the schedule, out in Utah, and then you mm-hmm. got Cleveland State and then you got VMI, and then you have Jacksonville so there's every Every week, there's someone tough, and are you mentally tough enough to handle that? Are you able to prepare and be a professional and prepare 
for the for the game um, right after. So um, there's a lot of baby steps we have to get to before we're we're in that um, that league. But um, putting putting emphasis on wins is is something that uh, is probably detrimental. We want to put emphasis on getting better in skill development. Hmm. All right, then a last question here. You know, uh, when someone comes to watch Hampton Lacrosse, what kind of style uh, should they expect to see this year? Um, we're going to be a uh, an up-and-down team. We're going to use our skill. We're very athletic, so we're going to use our skill set. Um, and we want to be a very good decision-making team. So looking at what we're doing um, – we want to make the right decisions. We want to play fast and play a, a really uh, up-tempo pace. Um, along with, we want to want to be unselfish. And so hopefully our team will be a team where it's not you can key on one guy, but there will be a lot of beautiful passing, a lot of great assists, and a lot of great movement um, on offense and defensively, um, a good cohesive defensive unit that, that's talking and, and communicating. So. You know, we're, we're looking forward to, to playing like that. Um, you know, having a NESCAC background, some of my favorite teams are Amherst and Tufts and, you know, just their grittiness and their their how up-tempo and gritty and tough they are, and that's the type of thing we want to emulate. want to thank Coach DeVoy for coming on the show this week. It's great having him on there. Now moving to our weekend preview section of the show to start to wind things down. Multiple games in the NLL this weekend. Four games to be exact. All of them on Saturday night again, but at least this time they are on multiple different times, um, at multiple different times, I should say. So, first up here, we have Philadelphia at Georgia at 7 p.m. We have New England at Saskatchewan at 8.30 p.m. New York versus at Vancouver on at 10 p.m. Battle, um, should we name it the Rock Bottom Bowl this year, or is that too early? Probably too early for that, right? Um, Toronto at San Diego, also at 10 p.m. Uh, all times Eastern. I forgot to mention that. <clears throat> Looking at this Philadelphia and Georgia game, you know this is uh, so. This is going to be Philadelphia's first game, and uh, we saw what Georgia did to Rochester, and I wouldn't. Philadelphia beat Georgia uh, the last week of the regular season last year. I would fully expect the Swarm to come out um, swarming, um, pun intended there, and just take it to the Wings. And um, the Wings, like, this is a team that I, I really don't think it... I, I, I hate to say it about anybody, but I really don't think they're going to have much success this year. Again, uh, just based on what we've seen, who they have, and it, it doesn't look like they're going to be 
much better. Now, I do expect certain guys to be better. Um, I do expect, you know, a Kevin Colley, uh, Josh Curley. I do expect these guys that are known commodities to to play very well. Um, Zach Higgins, I would expect, is going to get the starting goal. Um, they also have Brendan Miller, who's a, kind of a veteran guy there. Uh, Higgins really did rather well in the starts that he had um, when he was up in, uh, I believe he started a, a year or two in Minnesota and uh, had a couple starts in, in, in Buffalo. But coming down to Philadelphia, that's one area they really, really needed to help was on the back end. And, you know, it should be a, uh, I think this should be a, an interesting game to say the least, just given that Philadelphia has not played a game yet. This is also an East Division matchup. And uh, the way the standings look now is Georgia, New England, Philadelphia. That's pretty much what I would expect the final East standings to be. Um, And, no, we talk a lot about Philadelphia getting a lot of opportunities, getting a lot of possessions because of Trevor Baptiste at the faceoff dot. Obviously, great faceoff man. Uh, and, and can do more than face off as well. Um, and, and his box games really helped him develop that, not only in the box game, but in the field game as well. You saw he had uh, one or two goals, a couple assists in the PLL this season with Atlas Lacrosse Club. This is, I mean, I think that, like, if you're going to say Trevor Baptiste can help them win games. They're going to have to capitalize off of possessions because, and again, faceoffs don't mean as much in box because you have the shot clock because it's a shorter field and everything like that. Everything, all of those factors go into the in, into the reason why faceoffs do not mean as much in box as they do in field. Philadelphia, if they're going to promote Baptiste, in which they should. If they're going to promote it in a way and say, you know, we have, we win the most faceoffs in the league, you guys, you got to capitalize. Um, and defensively, I don't know what they're going to do to uh, shut down Georgia, but they got to shut down Lyle and Miles, Randy Stotts. I mean, their entire def- uh, their entire offense is just astounding. It is one of the best. In the league is, you know, if not the best, uh, I guess that's an opinion there, but it's very, very good. And, you know, Philadelphia, is, they've got some good pieces on the back end. Ian Lord, uh, Anthony Jokum, Steph Charbonneau, Liam Burns. I mean, you, you have some good guys on the back end. Liam Patton, um And it, it's going to take some time. Now, I will say this. I am looking forward to seeing what Philadelphia's offense is going to do because you have Corey Vitarelli on the team this year. Uh, he comes over in the offseason. That's an interesting one, though. You have Corey Vitarelli, Kevin Crowley, and obviously, you know, the probably one of the most notable names, um, Matt Rambo on there. See how he continues to develop in the box game. Brett Hickey also, I think, should be in for a good year as well. Uh, then another one here coming up 8.30. Um, and I think this is actually going to be 
a really, really good one. I know Saskatchewan's going to be the favorite, but Saskatchewan has not been, if you look back historically over the past few years, they've not been that good against New England. I think it's something about a lot of people, I think, overlook New England for, for a multitude of reasons. This, I mean, they had a, what was it, it was a five-year plan or something like that, and they said, you know, this is the fifth year, this is the year we're going to put it all together. I don't know if the team they have this is that year, but I do think this is, from what I saw the other night, I do think this is the best New England team I've seen, but, and, you know, we saw what, um, against Toronto, the defense was able to, and it was a back-and-forth game. I expect that again this weekend against Saskatchewan. I mean, you have Robert Church who put up what he had. He was he had eight points. He was part of eight of Saskatchewan's nine goals last uh, weekend. Uh, I guess two weekends ago now against Colorado in the win. And um, it's actually quite interesting to see Saskatchewan 1-0 at this point in the season because usually they do struggle. Um, they do struggle a bit coming into the season, and they have slow starts, and they're starting hot. And so, you know, when you in in New England is starting pretty well, um, and they started very well last year and kind of dipped off. But um, I do think when you look at Saskatchewan's defense of Ryan Dilks, and I don't know if Travis Cornwall is gonna. Be there this weekend. I know he still has a couple, might be one or two weekends that he's still out with because uh, he went through firefighting training last year, and he, you know, you have to hold out uh, playing due to you know, risk of injury. Um, so I don't know if he's going to play this weekend, uh, but should be. I know he's on the short term holdout list. Uh, I haven't looked at any of the transactions recently, but he's either coming back this week or sometime in the next two weeks. Uh, but can't wait to see him back on that. On there um, for Saskatchewan. Should be a pretty decent game. Uh, also, two goaltenders, Doug Jamison, has uh, looked very, very good. Um, and you also look at Evan Kirk, and he looked good. Last weekend as well, so New England, Saskatchewan, I would expect it to be kind of a back-and-forth game. And then moving on to this New York and Vancouver game. Jeez. Um, okay, these teams, New York, Vancouver, Rochester, they looked the absolute worst. The absolute worst. Of any team, any any three teams over the past two weeks, um, I don't know if I want to call this the rock bottom bowl just yet because we are still just two weeks into the season, but could certainly be that. Um, and really for both of these teams, it's simple. Get your offense going early in the game because neither were able to do that. Get your offense going. I think Vancouver has the advantage on the defensive end. I think they have a big advantage on the defensive end, actually. Um, and Nick Bielich is out 
likely for the rest of the season, from what I've heard, after his injury um, in Vancouver's first game. So that's a big hit on the back end, which they spent a lot of time this summer looking at and trying to bolster up to get a lot better, a lot bigger than they were last season, where I think Vancouver's defense was one of the worst in the league. Um, Vancouver actually, like, and this is something that I don't say often, Vancouver outlose balled Calgary in their first game of the season. And I think, you know, a lot of times lose balls, um, they get you goals. They get you extra possessions. Um, like, so I think in Vancouver, honestly, I think whoever gets the most lose balls in this game wins the game, to be honest with you. Um, like, and here's what I'm. This game is. I, I don't. This this is gonna be an interesting one. I think you could see a little chippiness maybe start to set in if one team starts to get ahead of the other by a significant margin, as, as you usually as you usually see. But this is just. I think Vancouver holds a pretty good advantage. And the Riptide, to me, last weekend, they showed that they're still kind of putting things together. So, you know, I, I they're still putting things together. I think Vancouver still is not putting things together, but still getting things set and figured out with um, with what they're doing on on the offensive end, especially. So. I don't even know what the heck to make of that game. It's, it is what it is. It's it's the third week of the season. We still don't know everything yet. So now we move to the last game of the weekend. Toronto Rock at the San Diego Seals. This is a very very fun matchup. This is a fun matchup. Got Dan Dawson going back to the team he played with last season. You got all the Toronto, the Ontario guys playing for San Diego, playing against the the home team. Uh, the the Merrills, uh, Brody Merrill played for Toronto, is now playing for his brother Patrick Merrill in San Diego. This is and the offense in this game is going to be fantastic. I can't wait for this game. This is going to be the best. Mark my word to Toronto at San Diego. Last year, I thought was one of the best series of the of the year, like series in terms of the times they played. I think that was the best series. Toronto at San Diego, Toronto at Georgia, or Toronto versus Georgia, whatever. I thought were the two best series last year. Uh, Calgary, Saskatchewan is always very good, but outside of, I thought those Toronto, San Diego, Toronto, Georgia were the two best series of the year. I would expect the same and. Again, to um, San Diego, you know, without Austin Stotts, I don't know when he's coming back. Um, but you have two fiery offenses going up against each other. Two good goaltenders, Nick Rose and Frank Siliano. I think they're two of the best in the league. Uh, personally, this is going to be a game. This is going to be a great game. The best of the weekend. Get your BR Live subscription. Tune in. This is going to be a good one. To close out the show, I'll give you all my picks for 
week three of the NLL season. Philadelphia at Georgia. I'm going Georgia on that one. Saskatchewan in New England. I'm going Sask on that one. New York and Vancouver. I'm going to go Vancouver. Um, and mentioned they put you a good advantage there personally. Um, what I think. Toronto and San Diego. And this is going to be a tough one. Both took losses last weekend. Both are going to come in you know, pissed off from losing. San, I don't know. I, I'll give it to San Diego in this one. Um, but I think that's the one. The one that um, you can be wrong about. Um, I got to calculate my... Got to look at my picks from last week and the week prior to see what my record is thus far. I believe I only have one or two losses um, in terms of games that I've picked so far, but I'll I'll check that out now. I'll, I'll mention that on the on the podcast next week. Um, again, guys, thanks for listening. Another thanks to uh, Hampton head coach Rashad Devoy for coming on. As always, you can find us at lacrossebucket.com on social media at lacrossebucket, my personal at Tanner underscore Dimling. We're on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all, all of those places. Again, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.